So it's important to understand first that the control you have is really high and you can utilize breath work to reduce pain. You're listening to Share, Inspire, Repeat, where we explore uplifting, inspiring, and unique stories from around the planet. Things we're doing as human beings that you'll want to talk about that make us better people. A little dose of positivity in your day? Coming right up. And now for your host, AJ Mises. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Share, Inspire, Repeat. My name is AJ Mises, and it's great to have you with us. I'm super stoked about our guest today. I can tell that the conversation is going to be incredibly fascinating, and I cannot wait to share the conversation with you. But before I bring her on stage, so to speak, I just want to remind everybody that the only way that we bring good to the world is not only through stories, but through making sure that people are aware that we even exist. So please make sure that you're liking, subscribing to the channel, and that you're also subscribing to the podcast, that you're leaving us a review wherever you listen to the show. Please make sure that you open up the app right now. Give us those five stars. Tell everybody about your experience listening to the show, because that's how we continue to make sure that we pop to the top of the algorithms on Apple Podcasts and all the other sites where you listen to us. So thank you again for being here. Thank you for being the most important part of the show. So today, I am really excited to talk to Jane Tarrant. And Jane is based in the UK. And she is passionate about supporting people to feel empowered to improve their own health in a way that is incremental, accessible, habit-driven, and based on awareness. And she has a whole methodology behind why she's in this work. And she believes that for many, this starts with addressing dysfunctional breathing and general body awareness. And so I'm really, really excited to talk with Jane today. Jane, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. How's everything going in the UK? Well, we've had some beautiful weather as a rarity, and now we're back to normal. So we're all good over here. <laughs> That's awesome. We can crack on and not feel too crazy. <laughs> exactly. I love it. Well, thanks for being here today. And I'm curious, and I'm sure our listeners are too, how did you get into this work? Um, incrementally. <laughs> That's definitely true. I don't think in anything there's overnight success or overnight changes for people. However, there's definitely been some areas which have been like major sort of topics that have come up and therefore I've paid attention a little bit closer. So it's been mostly a case of me not feeling like I had great health from a young child, really. I've always been okay, but never like optimal. I've always got tired very easily. I would breathe with my mouth open and I would not sleep particularly well. I'd sleep like for long times, but I would find that I was quite tired still in the mornings and I would struggle to maintain a busy lifestyle. It would often make me quite ill and easily and I'd burn out quickly. And it just made me address that after a number of years. And then I became a mother of a uh, now two-year-old. I'm now 32. Congrats. And thank you very much. And that was just one of those ones where it just shifted the perspective and allowed me to kind of consolidate all the learnings I'd had before that I hadn't quite pieced together. And it gave me that final push to really put myself first for once and make sure that I do that forevermore and to teach my daughter to do the same. Mm, yes, those like pivotal moments that we have where we enter in these new seasons where different things become important to us. So it sounds like that was the that was the case for you. Yeah. 
That's great. So tell us a little bit about your methodology and a little bit about like why this work is, was important for you to teach other people. Like what do you see when people are intentional about breathing? I think for me, I feel really frustrated that there's so many of us struggling on a daily basis when we don't need to. And I think that although there are a number of us out there who are privileged, we have a privileged upbringing, we are able to get enough food and have shelter and have jobs and all that. But when you don't have fundamental health at a level that is not okay, but optimal, you're not really able to get as much out of life. And I think that's the real catalyst for me is to, I want to live a happier, healthier, kinder life. And by doing those three things, it means that I have to be kind to myself and kind to others. I have to think about what will bring me fulfillment, which obviously can be linked to other people as well. And also just making sure that I maintain my health. And I think when you learn it for you, you can't help but want to tell everybody else because you see everybody struggling around you and it's really hard to watch. I've always liked giving advice, but I've never really had a focus and or a way that it was really appreciated. <laughs> so having a, something you really do know about and that you can help people with and it can massively change their lives within just a handful of days and then weeks, yeah. that's really powerful. And to not have to become a doctor or anything to do that is even more powerful. There's simple things we were never taught as children. So what are those things? What are those simple things that we're not taught as children? So the absolute basics of it is that the way we breathe is absolutely the most important basis of our health. So we look at our food, we look at our exercise, but we think of it in like diet or exercise. We don't think of it in terms of nourishment and movement in the same way as we breathe, but it's automatic. We don't realize that we we know we can control our breath because obviously we can hyperventilate or we can slow our breathing right down intentionally, but we don't necessarily recognize the control that we have. And what we really don't know is the importance of utilizing that control. So in the same way that one might try to eat healthily, eating healthily is very vague as is breathing well. And there's no strict definition or perfect formula. However, there's a really nice basis. And that's that if you put your hand on your upper chest, I'm doing it now. And you put your other hand on your upper abdomen, uh -huh. where you can feel the lowest two ribs, and you sit comfortably and straight and you breathe, notice which hand is moving. Are they both moving? How They're are they moving? moving? They're both moving. Now, technically, to have the healthiest breathing in a calm sitting position, only your lower hand should move outwards on the in-breath and inwards on the out-breath. Oh. So as your diaphragm pushes down, drawing more air into your lower lungs, as opposed to keeping it shallow in the top, your stomach and your ribs will expand. And then as you breathe out, you relax back in. Now, most people don't even know that. We know that when you do yoga, people talk about belly breathing and things, but we don't really understand what it means or why it's important. Um, so if we can bring the breath low, if we can keep it slow, and oh we can practicing. keep it through the nose... Oh, and my mouth is open. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then that's like the absolute key to better general healthy breathing. 
there are key sort of importances on this that the nose is designed for us to breathe. And if you see someone breathing through their mouth, you know, many years ago before our faces changed and became narrower and longer, which has happened over a number of years due to food and ways of chewing and everything about our lifestyle houses, lots of different things can affect mm. how our entire face has changed through how we breathe, how we swallow, etc. And if we look at how it's been before, people would only really breathe through their mouth when they're sick. If you look at animals, they don't really breathe through their mouth unless they're sick or dogs do pant through their mouth. Or panting to cool down. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. that's a purpose for having the mouth breathing. For us, it's a backup. So if we have stuffy noses and we cannot breathe through our nose, it keeps us alive. It's a backup system. It's not a, it's not a main system. And that nose is filtering bacteria, viruses, including COVID. Not completely, obviously. It's not going to solve COVID. But the nitric oxide that we make in our nose is actually being tested now and being used in products for sprays to actually fight COVID. I read an article about it the other day. So the nitric Whoa. oxide that we create in our own noses when we breathe in through them is what kills viruses. Jane, you are <laughs> blowing my mind right now. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, and it all makes sense. I think that's like the biggest thing that I'm taking away is like, yeah, why do I breathe through my mouth? It's maybe because it's conditioned or that it's just the way that my face is constructed, but yeah. like breathing through my nose, that makes sense with the nitric oxide yeah. piece and yeah. the way that we're designed as humans. And if you look at mouth shape, so for example, I have a very triangular mouth. If you look at someone's mouth, it's often very curved and sort of very wide, or it can be sort of both sides straightforward and then a very flat across the front, or it can be very triangular where you like barely see any teeth at the front and they go straight back. And that's what my mouth is like because I was a mouth breather from a very young age. You know, I had cats, so I had, you know, what's in their fur irritating me. I had a heater right next to my bed, a radiator, so I was hot with duvets and everything else. And, you know, add in pollen and in whatever else you can that can make it worse. And I didn't know the importance of breathing through my nose. So when I became lazy, effectively, that it was just easier to get more air through my mouth, I thought, my nose is too small. I can't get enough air. But what I didn't know was the less you breathe, the better. The slower you breathe, the better. So if you are gently drawing air in for four seconds and gently blowing it out for eight, that's lovely and calm, or in for four and out for four, it's calm and it's good. And you don't need the oxygen that we think we need mm -hmm. through our mouth that we are gasping in. But if we actually settle and we allow it to go through, we can basically improve the breathing because we're retaining the carbon dioxide that we're otherwise throwing off. If I'm here going, <sighs> yeah. that is throwing carbon dioxide out of our body. And we think, ah, it's fine. Waste gas. We don't need carbon dioxide. We all want oxygen, oxygen. But the truth is that there's loads of oxygen in our bodies. If you put a pulse oximeter on, if you've ever seen that on, you know, yeah, on your TV finger. programs, it's between 95 and 99 on there usually for a healthy person, not in COVID, but a healthy person. Yeah. And that means there's loads of oxygen in our blood. And what happens is if we have anxiety, panic attacks, and we hyperventilate, or just lots of talking <laughs> like this, if I was doing podcasts all day <laughs> and I didn't try and balance my breathing in between, we basically throw off that carbon dioxide and the oxygen gets stuck 
in the blood and cannot reach the brain. So we get foggy brained, we get sort of like, oh, you know, tired, we don't think properly, and our muscles can hurt more. There's lots of little things that we go, oh, yeah, I get that a lot. Don't sleep well, don't, you know, lots of things that we don't get just because we're not utilizing our body. Yeah. That makes so much sense. And I can imagine too, like if you're expelling carbon dioxide a lot, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but perhaps then you're also ingesting that carbon dioxide back with the oxygen because it's around you or is that not true? So it's produced mostly in our body. We do breathe in a little bit of carbon dioxide, but we mostly produce it from the oxygen. So Mm. do you want a basic science in a kind of like graphic sense? So if you're breathing in, You've got the oxygen being a good portion of the air, but not the majority, and a lot less carbon dioxide. There's other things in there as well that we don't need to go into right now. But the oxygen goes in, into the lungs, like a tree, goes down the trunk, all the way into basically the leaves. And once it's in the leaves, it absorbs through into the bloodstream. Mm. It jumps onto what I like to call little red buses. So like hemoglobin, effectively, if we've ever learned that at school. And those red double-decker London buses will drive down. And if there's lots of carbon dioxide, the airway is wide and the blood vessels are wider. But if there's restricted because you've been hyperventilating, you'll be harder to breathe. So you'll feel like you need to breathe even more. So you'll panic. So you'll do it even worse. And your bloodstream will narrow. So you won't get the double-decker buses three aside, which is what we want. We'll get one behind the other, right? So this is a very simplistic sense in in science, but it's helpful because you can imagine it. It Once the double-decker buses get to the brain or the cells in general they need to get to, normally in good conditions of carbon dioxide, when you've not been hyperventilating, all the doors open, all the oxygen gets off, all these passengers get off, go into the brain or wherever they're going, and then carbon dioxide comes back from where the oxygen's just gone, gets back on and rides back around to the lungs, absorbs through into the leaves, back down the trunk and out. So that concept is what we want to look at. And that's called the Bohr effect, B-O-H-R effect, Mm. if anybody wants to look up the real science behind it. But that is the absolute simplistic sense of what we can look at. And the other side is if we're not breathing in the right way, those doors basically don't open properly. So you've got less buses and the doors aren't open properly. So you can't get all the oxygen off. So then the oxygen goes back around. So it's been in there the whole time. It's just, it's not utilized. Mm. So this concept we have when we're young of we struggle to breathe, we get asthma, we get allergies. We can improve all of these things by increasing what we call our tolerance to CO2. And that's if I was to hold my breath now, so I breathe in, breathe out and hold my breath, depending on how long I could hold it, could tell me how much carbon dioxide tolerance I have. So the longer I can hold it, the more I can tolerate. Therefore, the more I'm likely to have a good sort of level of against things like asthma, anxiety attacks, yeah. and any sort of breathing related issues. If we get to the point where we've had COVID or we've had really bad breathing for a long time, we can get to the point where we can barely hold our breath. And that suggests that we're hitting kind of like a ceiling and we're going, <gasps> and the buildup of the CO2 in our bodies makes us want to breathe more. Mm. So we think, oh, I need air, but actually what's happening is oh, I need to expel CO2 that's too much in my body. It's not used to it, but you can gradually train if you know how, <laughs> to get that carbon dioxide up and the tolerance up, and then you're able to tolerate more. Therefore, you're able to widen everything more, which means you're able to feel better and get more oxygen to where it needs to go. I mean, this science is just 
100% fascinating. This is so cool. And I can imagine kind of what you're talking to about in terms of training your body to tolerate more CO2, like free divers have to do this, right? When they're holding their breath for long periods of time, they, to your point, probably are teaching their bodies how much CO2 they can tolerate and also probably pressure and other free things too. Free divers are slightly different because they hyperventilate oh. often first to throw off oh. the CO2, which means it takes longer for it to build back up. Oh, like they're really quick breaths. So if they're like, like yeah, which can be really dangerous and it's great that people do it and lovely, but not something I'd necessarily recommend from a safety point of view. But if you hyperventilate, you'll be able to hold your breath for longer afterwards because there's less CO2 in your body. Therefore, the reaction, which makes us want to breathe, which is the CO2 level rising to a level we don't enjoy, is put off for longer. So you'll often see places where they tell you, oh, by the end of the session, you'll be able to hold your breath for a whole minute. And everyone's like, amazing. Yeah. I must mention here, though, if there's anybody here, because I know a lot of women on your podcast, if you're pregnant, you shouldn't hold your breath for long oh. periods of time. It can be a risk. So if anybody's thinking of trying it, you know, um, if you've got any major health conditions, heart-related diabetes, anything like that, it's worth checking with a doctor for any side effects you might have. But very short breath holds may be okay, but there's not enough research to confirm either way. But long breath holds are not recommended in breath especially. That's a good pro tip. <laughs> you want to be healthy. <laughs> Everyone heed Jane's advice, please, yeah. <laughs> if you're preggers out there. Please. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. So, okay, I've done a lot of, definitely not as much as you, but I've done some breath work just in my life, especially as it relates to controlling anxiety feelings or the feelings of anxiety that we associate with and we experience as human beings. So I'm curious about your expertise in this area. Like, What are some tips that you have for our listeners, like if they're experiencing a moment of anxiousness or any other thing that you know breath control or breath work to help do? Like what's something that somebody can do in the moment utilizing their breath? So it's important to understand first that the control you have is really high and you can utilize breath work to reduce pain. Like I had pelvic pain, really strong pelvic pain. Like I was unable to even wear knickers on some days because it was so, so strong. And I got support from that via physio and they introduced me to the mind body connection concept and actually learning to retrain that connection that had gone a little bit awry. And so the pain is real, but I could actually reprogram myself to feel safe and feel calm. So the breathing they can do can help them to feel safe and feel calm. And you can start to use it over a long period of time to actually completely reconnect in a situation. So I'd say the breathing itself is important, but if we're talking about anxiety or anxiety related pain, then it is important to recognize that you need to have the consciousness as well. And for example, before I would do my physio exercises, I would have to lie there and breathe very, very slowly and just see how I felt, like take in how I felt. And then I would not do anything physio related until I was able to calm myself down and feel safe. And once I felt like that, then I could continue with anything I was trying to achieve. So in the same situation, if you're in an anxious situation, to actually take a step back, know that you have enough oxygen, so you don't need to gasp lots of air. What you need to do is hold the carbon dioxide in. And you can do that in two ways. One is just to slow down your exhale, preferably to the double length of your inhale. So like you could breathe in for four seconds, Mm. breathe out for eight seconds, through your nose. And if you can't do it through your nose, 
do it if you can. If you feel what we call breath hunger, that's fine. You're not going to die. It's a concept of you're getting comfortable, you're pushing your boundaries of that carbon dioxide tolerance. The air hunger is going, this isn't normal, but it doesn't mean that it's dangerous as long as you're only doing it for a short period of time. Yeah. And you can do that just for a few breaths, just a four in, eight out, for example, or three in, six out. Or another one which can be quite useful is to just take mini breath holds. So you breathe in sort of normally and out, breathe out normally just for a few seconds. And then every so often you just take a very short breath hold. So for example, between three and five seconds, you might say, say 10 seconds normal breathing, three or five seconds stop. But you do it after the exhale. And then you breathe in because you've got all the stored carbon dioxide and nitric oxide that you've been holding onto and you've been creating in your nose. Breathe that straight back in. That helps clear your nasal passage, clears your airways. So you're then able to breathe more calmly. And every time you stop, you see if you can get a little bit more control. Mm. You started fast. So if I do an example, And over time, after each break, you can maintain the improved, slower breathing, but allow yourself time to get there and don't beat yourself up if it takes you a few attempts effectively. I found myself trying to mimic you during that process and thank God I was on mute. But <laughs> I used my mouth as well just for the mic purposes. That was mine, so I knew if I did it through my nose, you couldn't hear, but that's exaggerated. <laughs> no, I love it. That was great. And I think it's so important. And I find, you know, I'll speak from my personal experience. I find that when I am intentional about my breathing, and I bring my thought back to my breath, I ground myself. I find myself in a place where I can actually focus on the next thing that I need to do versus the thing that our brain does, the amygdala and the cortex conversation, which I'm sure you, you know a lot about. When we go and we think about like the shoulda, woulda, couldas or the what ifs, and when anxiety starts to creep up, bringing my intentionality back to my breath and supporting myself, and I'm going to use some of these tips that you've taught me, is helpful in grounding myself and like truly eliminating the anxious feelings that I experience. So I, I think it's just awesome. I think the one thing that's really worth saying is in today's world, we are on high stress a lot of the time, especially women. We push ourselves beyond anything else and we want to be mothers, we want to be daughters, we want to be friends, we want to be great you know, at work, we're up against whatever pressure. But anybody is going through this at the moment, it's not just women. And I think what we've got to realize is if our body is being pushed in a stressor way, sort of like we have the autonomic nervous system. So you have like the fight or flight side and the kind of rest or digest. Those are kind of the simplified versions. And you can't digest your food well and go to sleep well and feel relaxed and do all the processes in your body, like reproduction and all these other things that we meant to do when we're safe and calm when you're in a highly stressed state. So those who are experiencing high stress state, i.e. I love my job, it's so invigorating, that's going to be causing a lot of stress. No matter how much you love your job, you can still love your job and not have to quit it, but learn how to intersperse the day with conscious, slow, calm breathing in the right way, using the nose, using the diaphragm. And if you can do that throughout the day as a standard when I'm driving, just before I do my teeth, whatever it is yeah. you're going to link it to, to make you remember, if you can take those few moments of calm, it's incredible. 
I don't, if anybody commutes home and they talk on the phone, oh, it's the only time I get to yeah. talk to my family. How about you go, sorry, family, 10 minutes, you can wait. And you do 10 minutes of just calm, slow breathing. I bet you'd feel so much better, unwind from work, and then you can cope yeah. with whoever in your family winds you up or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. I think that's so awesome. And growing up, I was a singer. You know, I was trained in voice technique, and you learn a lot in that practicum that you control a lot of your air production through your diaphragm yeah, and the support of your diaphragm and the role that that plays in drawing breath and expelling breath and controlling the amount of air. So I can imagine that's a big part of what you teach too. Yeah. The interesting one about that is that there are quite a lot of people out there who have had singing training or musician, like musical training. For example, I had one client who used to play a wind instrument and they had been taught as a young person how to utilize their diaphragm. So they were like, yeah, yeah, I got that. And then about two weeks into my sessions with them, as we're doing one-to-one sessions, they then realized they had been holding their stomach in all the time for at Which least is different the last than year. controlling your diaphragm. So yeah, they, exactly. they had basically put on a little bit of weight. We we're a little bit self-conscious about it. And they were there sucked in the whole time holding their belly. And if you're holding your belly in, you cannot use your diaphragm properly. So no matter what knowledge you've got or what you used to do, this person was, it took them two weeks of conscious breathing to recognize the fact that they were also doing that. And that can happen with women wearing belts to look cool, sort of, you know, slim waisted. It can happen yeah. from restrictive underwear that's trying to pull everything in. It can happen from yeah. corsets. It can happen those damn from spanks. T- yeah, tight <laughs> jeans. Although some of these are actually very sensible because they don't really pull in, they still allow the movement. So it does depend on the brand. But yeah. if you're really tight and you can't really breathe then that's restricting and lots and lots of things that we'll do like we might go to a party and feel really anxious at a party not only are you scared about meeting new people and socializing if you're not an extrovert you're also poured into a really tight cocktail dress which is all nipped in at the waist and you can't breathe properly and you wonder why you're feeling extra anxious and so these choices we make are so much bigger than just how we breathe. It's what we do to our body to allow ourselves to feel connected with ourselves and notice these sort of changes in ourselves. Oh my gosh, Jane, I feel like I could talk to you for hours. There's (laughs) so much goodness that's coming out and I can't thank you enough for sharing this with us and our audience. Maybe we'll have to have you come back to do a part two, but I'm curious, part of the, the whole ethos for the show is how people can continue to bring more good into their lives. And so I'm curious, as a coach, as a health practitioner, what would be your top tip for how people could bring more good into their lives? Well, that's a very wide topic. But for me, my sort of why of what I'm trying to do here is just to live a very happy, healthy and kind life. And I think that that's what I want for my daughter. Therefore, it's what I want for myself and I want her to learn from me. And I think that you can't really go too wrong. (laughs) with those three in mind if that's your focus you put your health before anything else because that helps with your happiness and if you put your health before else all else you're more likely to be kind to yourself and able to do things for others so without focusing on that as a primary area you will fall down it's a little bit like you're running over with a bucket of sand and everybody's taking out of your bucket of sand and you're like no it's fine it's fine keep taking keep taking I'll go back and get some more later and eventually your bucket is so low you don't have enough sand to give away. Yeah. And all you needed to do was run back 
like every time somebody took something out, you run back and you just keep doing that. You'd never run out, but we don't do that. We, uh, we give it all exactly. away. You can't pour from an empty cup. You can't, but it's nice yeah. to visualize and that remix helps you remember. Yeah, that's so great. Jane, you are just a bucket of wisdom and I'm so honored to have met you and to have spent some time with you to learn from you. I know our listeners are going to get a lot of it. I'm sure they're being very cognizant of how they're breathing at the moment, if anything. <laughs> so where can people find out more information about you? Sure. Thank you so much. So I'm on linkbreathing.co.uk. And that's my main website uh, where I write a few articles and have links to my one-to-one coaching, group coaching, and corporate coaching. And then I also have the Instagram and Facebook, which is at Link Breathing. So those are quite easy. Or you can find me on LinkedIn under my name. Awesome. Amazing. And we'll put links to everything below in the show notes. So if you want to check out Jane and what she's up to, feel free to click on those links and go have a chat. There's obviously way more things that we can continue learning from Jane. But Jane, thank you so much for being a part of the show. And thanks for being here today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. It's lovely to speak to you. And thanks for having me. Of course. Well, everybody, this has been another episode of Share, Inspire, Repeat. My name's AJ Mises. That was Jane Tarrant. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Share, Inspire, Repeat with AJ Mises. Interested in sharing a story or being a guest on the show? Visit shareinspirerepeat.com to introduce yourself or to submit a story. You can also check out more details from this episode by visiting shareinspirerepeat.com.